Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Monday, January 29th. Happy Seeing Eye Dog Day, which are service dogs that help the visually impaired get around, which I support, and not just for the blind. If you're a soldier who's seen bad stuff, I know for 100% that dogs are therapeutic, so take one with you everywhere. Or if God forbid you're a rape victim and you got a pity or a rot for protection, fine by me. Just train them well. Dogs with jobs are cool. And long as they're well-behaved, anybody with a service dog ought not be hassled for taking it in the restaurant or on the plane. Just buy the ticket. If it can't stay in the cargo hold or a carry-on, it gets its own seat. Otherwise, leave people alone. But today is also Curmudgeon's Day, which is a cantankerous and bad-tempered old man. And as the chief of that tribe, let me just say that there's a limit to what is an appropriate service animal. If your anxiety can only be assuaged by taking a Komodo dragon with you everywhere, anxiety is not your most pressing concern. Just cause you think you need it don't mean you do. And just cause you want it don't mean you get it. And just cause you talk some fool therapist into writing you a note for it don't make it okay for you to trap other humans in a plane with your dangerous pet. Like the Wisconsin woman and her emotional support kangaroo that you just know's gonna kick somebody in the face or a capuchin monkey like Ross had on Friends, which he had to get rid of when it got sexually aggressive, cause that's what you need on your nine hour flight, or the Colorado girl and her emotional support sugar glider, which is basically like a little bitty flying possum. Bottom line, if I get on the plane and your emotional support llama spits on me, Bible y'all Paul's going home with a new coat. Our reading for today is Exodus 8, 1 through 9, 35, Matthew 19, 13 through 30, Psalm 24, 1-10, and Proverbs 6, 1-5. So if y'all are ready, oh, who am I kidding? The TSA ain't never letting me on a plane. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 28th, in the Old Testament, we read Exodus 5:22-7:25. So Moses and Aaron went before the Jews and did those signs they were supposed to do, and the Jews were impressed. And they're like, we're here to free y'all, so start packing. We're going to go talk to Pharaoh. So they do, and it does not go anywhere near as well as they were expecting. In fact, Pharaoh makes things way worse for the Jews, which the Jews then blame Moses and Aaron for. So Moses goes and talks to God and is like, what gives? Why hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why did you even send me? Because ever since I got here, Pharaoh's been a jerk and you ain't freed nobody from nothing. And if I was God... I'd have dusted Moses right then and there with a giant lightning bolt just for talking to me that way, which probably means it's a good thing I'm not God. The real God, however, is much more patient. He's like, go tell him again. But Moses is freaking out and complaining that Pharaoh won't listen. So God patiently explains to Moses who and what he is and the deal he made with his fathers and tells him again, go back to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Because like it or not, Moses... I have given you and your brother charge over all the people of Israel. They're your responsibility. And just in case you're confused about who we're talking about, let's spend the next several verses on a genealogy of these people. And that's what we do. And then in chapter 7, the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Not a literal god, more like God's representative agent. Still though, confidence builder, And I already told you Pharaoh's not going to listen to anything you say. 
but that's not your problem. I'm going to harden his heart for a reason, and that reason is so that the Egyptians, read that the world, will know that I am God. How's that, you ask? Well, I'm going to multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. And the signs God chooses to show are all direct attacks on the stuff the Egyptians worshipped as gods. God's showing them that their gods are trash and he's the one and only. So when Pharaoh asks for a miracle, do that thing where the staff turns into a snake for him. And they do. Specifically, Aaron does it. But Pharaoh calls in his magicians. And we know from Paul's second letter to Timothy that their names were Jannes and Jambres. But whatever source material he had for that is lost, far as I know. Anyway, they come in and throw their staffs down, and theirs become snakes too. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And that tells me two things. That there really is power in the dark side, but God is more powerful. Doesn't matter though, because Pharaoh's unimpressed. So God says tomorrow morning, when Pharaoh goes down to the Nile for his morning worship of the river, the thing they venerated as the source of all life, y'all go down there too, and take that snake stick with you. Tell him to let y'all go. And when he don't, smite the waters and they'll turn to blood. And the fish will die and nobody will be able to drink it. And not just the river, but all the water. From the streams and ponds to vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Anybody who opens up their refrigerator to grab a bottle of Aquafina is going to be full of blood. And that's what happened. But those magicians were able to do it too. So I guess Pharaoh figured if these frauds can do it, it must be a trick from Moses. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened just as the Lord said it would. And I wonder how the magicians could do it, and that it wasn't just Aaron. Because, I mean, if all the water everywhere turned to blood, and the magicians are like, oh, look, Pharaoh, our water's turning to blood, too. Well, sure it is. You know, but whatever. Nobody got let go, and the river stayed that way for seven days. You know, the best the dark side can do is counterfeit what God does. All it can do is steal, kill, and destroy. Chuck Missler made that exact same point. Wow. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 18, 21 through 19, 12. And Peter asks a good question. He says, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus is like, nope, 70 times, seven times. That's 490 times. And some people say that Jesus meant that literally. That like, if you forgive somebody 490 times, you can quit. And other people say, no, that's just figurative. And what he was really saying was to forgive him all the times, as many times as there need to be. I would like to point out that there are four periods of time in the Bible of 490 year spans. For example, they failed to keep the seven year Sabbath for 490 years. So they had to go into captivity in Babylon for 70 years just to give the land rest. That's one. And another is Daniel's 70 weeks. 69 of which were fulfilled when Jesus came, and now we have the church age, which is a pause, and then the 70th week will be fulfilled at the Great Tribulation, which is another one. And there's a couple more, but I don't know what that means, but it's got to be something. Then he tells a parable about a guy who had a large debt forgiven, but then wouldn't forgive a small debt to him, and his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. So whether it's 490 or whether it's every time, just do it. (laughs) And in chapter 19, when Jesus is finished, he departs from Galilee and goes to the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And he's trailing a crowd the whole way that needs healing. And the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And Jesus says, no, they're like one flesh. Marriage is supposed to be permanent. 
because the marriage of the lamb and the church will be permanent. So the Pharisee said, Then why did Moses write it in the law that we could do that? So Jesus saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it wasn't like that. If you do it for any reason other than adultery, then you're an adulterer. And you make your wife an adulterer. And if she remarries, the guy she marries is too. And it's all on you. So his disciples said, well, best just not get married then. And Jesus said, y'all don't even understand what you just said. Because some men remain celibate because they got no choice, like eunuchs. But some are, in fact, called by God to remain celibate. But listen, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. So if you're not called to be celibate, don't try to do it. Just go ahead and get married and follow the rules. And that's deep, because some people are called to do things that might be sinful for somebody else. And some people can follow the rules and still sin, because God deals with us individually and has individual plans for our lives. Nothing he ever calls us to do will contradict his law, but specific situations can be different for different people. Yeah, and I think it all goes back to the heart, which we can't see. Even our own heart has to be shown to us so we can change. Two people can do the same thing, but for one, it's sin, and the other, it's not. And, you know, anything done without faith is sin. Missing the mark if it's pleasing God we want to do. It's like in that personal prophecy I mentioned yesterday. I saw my heart and realized, yeah, that is exactly what it's going to take. Being born again gives fresh eyes a new heart. And we begin a journey, the journey of crucifying our flesh, converting our soul, and renewing our mind. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 23, 1-6. In Psalm 23, that's possibly the prettiest and most profound thing that's ever been written. And I'm tempted to read it again right now, but I won't. And there's several things to think about there. It paints a picture of God as a shepherd. And shepherds knew each and every one of their sheep, and often named them, often knew them by name. And that makes God not only a protector, but a caretaker. And as such, God knows the sheep are helpless without him. So he leads the sheep to green pastures and still waters, because he knows that each of his sheep must be personally led to be fed. Without the shepherd, the sheep would die from predators or from starvation. And that's true. Sheep are the dumbest animals there is. And verse 5, where it says, Thou preparest a table before me, that might refer to an old oriental shepherding practice of using little tiny raised tables to feed sheep on. Or it might refer to the practice of only the king eating from a table when camped in a field. But honestly, both of those sound made up to me. I think it's just figurative language. Verse 6, it says, Thou anointest my head with oil. And that may refer to an ancient form of what's called backliner, which is oil that's poured on wounds and also to keep flies away. I mean, just read the thing and study it. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's a good one to memorize and meditate on. It addresses every fear and uncertainty. And I read once that sheep aren't herd animals. They aren't driven like cattle. Sheep follow, and will follow anything, if not watched. They'll wander off, and they have no self-defense mechanisms except to run. And that's if they recognize a threat. In verse 5, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And Jesus did that too. His table is there. If we mix the word, the promise with faith, he has set the table for us. He has put us on display. We're his reward but he turns that around and showers us with everything we trust him for. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 5, 22 and 23. And verse 21, he's talking about the ways of man being before the Lord. 
So it follows that his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. In other words, he doesn't need any other chains to bind him down and to hold him fast, other than just his own sins, and he'll answer for them to God. And it says he shall die without instruction in law and wisdom and all this other stuff we've been talking about for five chapters, in other words. And in the greatness of his folly shall he go astray. Know anybody like that? And the Young's literal translation says it this way. His own iniquities do capture the wicked, and with the ropes of his sin he is holden. He dieth without instruction, and in the abundance of his folly magnifieth himself. He's so full of himself because he doesn't love the truth. It's possible to shipwreck our faith. It's possible to not finish our race. Discernment is mission critical, and loving the truth is a sure way to get it. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 29th is Exodus 8.1 through 9.35. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up, and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments, and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me, and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee, and for thy servants, and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thee, and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are, 
And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so. And there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh, and into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron, and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do. For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people, tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. There remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Chapter 9 Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine, and the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace, and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven. And it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to shew in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, that thou wilt not let them go? Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field, and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. 
He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field, throughout all the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field, and brake every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron, and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough, that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail. And I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not yet fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was bold. But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord. And the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more, and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. Our reading in the New Testament for January 29th is Matthew 19, 13-30. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and departed thence. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do, that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them, and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, 
for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Our reading in Psalms for January 29th is Psalm 24, 1-10. A Psalm of David The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Selah. And our reading in Proverbs for January 29th is Proverbs 6, 1-5. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. That has got it for the 29th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. I thought we'd do a week on how God dealt with Moses and Midian. So today's prayer is about Exodus 3, 7, and 8, which says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on how God knows your affliction, because prayer is the heavy artillery and the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, for 400 years the Jews slaved away in Egypt. So many died there never knowing freedom, and never knowing that you knew their troubles better than they did themselves. Though they couldn't see it, they were fulfilling your plan to become a nation, and to be the catalyst that brought your message of salvation to the world. Many of your children today are enslaved around the world, and even those that aren't suffer tribulations. Never let us forget, Lord, that suffering can serve your purposes, and let it draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawning I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be some kind of help to them. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, what I really need is for y'all to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. But if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. But that's the end of our... But that's the end of our reading. No, it's not.